control. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Hello there and welcome to Tech Radio, the number one Irish tech podcast with you every Friday morning with your favourite podcasting app or of course Friday evening on RTE Radio. My name is Dusty Rhodes and you are welcome to a very special show. This is show number 900. And uh, can, can the record show, Dusty? Yes. Can the record show? Yes. I fought for this show. You were going to go, ah, 900, who cares? Let's just keep going. <laughs> And I was like, no, this is important. This deserves marking. We're doing this show. If you like this with issue 900 of our little tech radio show, I'd hate to see you on your birthday. I bet you're a real pain <laughs> in the rear end. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I'm Mr. Just get me a surprise. <laughs> Niall Kitson, editor in chief of Tech Central with us as always. Uh 2005 is when we started every week and we went through a period of, mm. I think doing two or three a week or doing daily updates or that, I can't remember anyway, but that's, that's, that's what's knocked it up to uh, about 900. Mm. Um, how do you feel? Does it make you feel old? Oh, it does actually. I mean, we're older, like the show is yeah. older than a lot of things we take for granted in technology these days. Like we've, we've grown up with the medium We've grown up with a lot of the tech around us. I remember one of the first shows we did was about the iPhone. Uh, was it? We did one show about the iPhone and it was the two of us across a table in a small studio. Mm. And you were putting on this voice of being mock upset about it not being 3G. Was that's really? how we rolled back then. <laughs> was I really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, here's here's what our plan is for uh, show number 900. Uh, at, as Niall said, when we were looking back at all of the things that have happened since 2005, it actually is mind blowing. So we'll take a quick mm. one to run through those uh, and uh, do a little bit of uh, reminiscing, which always makes everybody feel nice and warm and Warm and cuddly. Happy. Well, cuddly, maybe. Um, and then also uh, some of the guests that we've had uh, over the years. We just have a chat about them. Um, and I was going to start off, actually, with uh, the history of what is a podcast. Which I think is a pretty, pretty good place to start. Well, it's just, it's it's become so, especially since COVID, right? Everybody mm-hmm. all of a sudden is, oh, of course I listen to podcasts. Yeah. But where did the word come from is kind of the, the thing. Because when it started, <sighs> I think it was, I think it was around uh, 2003, right? Okay. And essentially what a podcast is, it's, a, it's an audio file, like just an MP3, all right? Mm-hmm. which is referenced in an RSS feed. And RSS feeds at the time were the rage because it was right, really simple syndication. And the mm-hmm. idea was that you could put this thing, it was like an index essentially on a website, and then other people were able to link to it and then pull out the information and display it in whatever way they wanted. So that's the way a lot of news sites worked and stuff like that. Uh, really simple syndication. And then somebody went, uh, well, if you can put text and you can put images in on that and a headline, well, why not an audio file? Well, that's what they did. So uh, that's what it was known. It was just known as an audio file referenced in an RSS feed. And that was kind of around July 2003 that that started to happen. And it was kind of like they didn't know what to call it. And there were three uh, suggestions made by the first recorded mention of podcasts was in the Guardian newspaper in 2004. 
And there were three suggestions made for what are we going to call this thing anyway? Will it be mm. audio blogging? Uh, will it be podcasting? Or will it be guerrilla media? Guerrilla media. Can you imagine if that stuck? Oh, I, I'm sure there's an awful lot of outlets out there would love to be called Guerrilla Media. Guerrilla Media. Uh, but they went with podcasting. I think it was just something that stuck. And I think the reason it stuck was because Apple had put out the iPod uh, about three years earlier. And hmm. iPods were just, you know, kind of familiar and you uh, were able to transfer the MP4 files across onto your iPod. And that's what people were listening on. I, I, this is before iTunes and all hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's the way people were listening. And I think it just kind of, it stuck after that Guardian newspaper thing. Uh, and then even the BBC by the end of 2004 were referring to their uh, online audio programmes as podcasts. Okay, and I'm yeah. sure I, I'm sure most people thought that that was an Apple creation, seeing as it's so tightly tied to the iPod. Precisely. It wasn't until yeah. 2005 uh, that Apple launched and I think it was in and around, no, it was before Sorry, Apple launched after we started doing uh, our podcast. And of course, it wasn't Tech Central at the time. This is another no. huge change since 2005. Yeah. It was PC Live magazine. Yeah. Do yeah, you remember? It started out as the PC Live podcast, I think. Yeah. Is that, yeah. A kind yeah. of a consumer end magazine, just kind of, you know, yeah. kind of a how to install a mouse on your new computer. <laughs> <laughs> we were a very different show back then. Five Maybe handy. Not. Five, I think we were. Five ways to bookmark your favorite sites in Netscape. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't that bad. We were but quite bad, but we it, weren't that bad. It was, it was a printed magazine magazine, though, and it was available to news was, agents yeah. uh, across the world. So we were the PC Live uh, podcast. Uh, but we started and then uh, sometime around the middle of that year, then Apple added podcasts to iTunes, which really, really helped. Mm. Um, and then uh, by the end of that year, I think Ricky, Ricky Gervais started doing his own podcast. And of course, he was the biggest comedian at the time. Boom, everybody was on it. So, And what was interesting about Ricky Gervais was that he was selling them. They weren't free. Yes, we tried that. Uh, with our company, we had a podcast called The Crack and mm. uh, and Ian Dempsey presented it. Myself and Brida Brown were in the studio with him every week uh, and we sold it on iTunes. Um, not enough to pay all three of us, <laughs> but <laughs> nevertheless. Uh, and the idea was it was for uh, Irish people living abroad. And instead of just getting like the hard news as you did on various websites, we were just talking about The Crack, what people mm. were talking about around the water cooler or in pubs or over a pint or whatever it happens to be like, you know, so uh, mm. that, that ran for, I don't know, 18 months maybe or something like that. And we got one or two uh, really interesting trips. We, we were flown out to Dubai at one stage. <laughs> which wow. Is, which was a bit nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of just funny. New technology and, and all of the things that it can, uh, it can open. And there's always that period where people are trying to figure out uh, what exactly is this thing and how do we get the best out of it? Because one of the big changes over the past two years, and we've had two of them, was mm. the change in default, um, well, default, the, the expected resolution on televisions mm. from, you know, SD to HD and from HD to 4K. And with each yeah. jump, there was a period where you're looking at it and the image just looks wrong. It's like the image wasn't shot with those conditions in mind. So the colors just look off. The image looks very flat. You know, they, they haven't figured out how to get the most out of the technology. Yeah. And there's just that weird period where things just, they don't look right. Mm. And we've gone through that twice. Um, and we've gone through it a few times with podcasts um, where there's, there's just that period where 
ah, this isn't quite working for us. Is this going to be bad for the medium? You know, if everybody went subscription or if everybody was selling um, episodes individually like songs, would that work over the long term? That there's always that feeling out process. Yes, um, and we were very much part of that. But I think the lesson that uh, we learned was, no, uh, podcast is like radio and radio is free. And yeah. it's on the internet. And everything on the internet is free. At least it was in 2005. Hmm. That's that, the, but that is the way you thought. If it's on the internet, it's yeah. free. End of. Like, you yeah. know, kind of now it's all credit cards and buying free. things left. All that kind of stuff, like, you know. Mm. So listen, that's that's the history of the word podcasting and where we started uh, over the years. We've had lots and lots of people through our doors. And I have to give special mention to uh, some of our regular contributors. Yep. Uh, Martha Rotter and JJ, of course, JJ Worrell and Jason Walsh. Yeah, yeah. Back when we had the big table in the big uh, studio. The big table in the big studio, indeed. Um, and then kind of, you've you've a ton of interviews, so I'll just skip over my favourite two. You know which are my favourite two. So what were your favourites? Okay, right. I got a big old list of interviews that I thought really sort of... Uh, enhanced or changed or made me look mm. at technology in, in a different way. And, and a couple of, you know, before they were famous mm. uh, that we managed to get. Um, so just looking looking down through our list, I mean, one of the very early interviews that we did, because we, we had chopped and changed with our format and uh, interviews weren't really a huge part of the show at the time, but one of the first people we really chatted to was Michael John Gorman. Mm. Who was the founder of Science Gallery International, uh, and of course the Science Gallery, uh, which was a huge gamble and uh, a massive experiment in itself at the time to get people to understand technology more through the prism of art, uh, a project that's still with us today under mm-hmm. the uh, acronym STEAM: Science, Technology, Engineering, Arts, and Maths. Uh, basically, uh, uh, an attempt to get us all to be Renaissance people, which mm-hmm. is a, a very lofty goal. Um, Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but Science Gallery was a huge gamble at the time. And I remember the first exhibition was called Lightwave. And the place was absolutely packed out. And they had all sorts of things that were just... The the theme of it was light and different uses for light. And you had things like people walking around and clothes laced with fibre optics and all sorts of stuff that was quite eye-catching. Uh, and you guys sort of got the sense that, oh, right, OK, something is happening here. This isn't this isn't going to be for academics. This is going to have sort of a, a broader appeal. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, things have developed since then. The Science Gallery went international. Unfortunately, the Science Gallery in Dublin is uh, in a little bit of trouble at the moment and is undergoing a period of what they what they say reimagining um, towards uh, next year. But anyway, uh, so that was Michael John Gorman. Uh, very, very nice gentleman. You, you actually did that interview. Uh, also, another one you did was Luke O'Neill before he was famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, also uh, attached to a show in the Science Gallery called Contagious. And true to form, I think we had a 20 minute interview and you got two questions in. <laughs> I'm usually not that generous. <laughs> I, usually, I usually say, OK, shut up and move on to the next question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we had no such luck with, with Luke O'Neill anyway. Uh, but that was fine because he is who he is and we know <laughs> the sort of character he is now. Um, another one that stood out for me was uh, Nora Caldi, mm-hmm. the founder and CEO of Neuritas. And what Neuritas does is they're a company that uses an artificial intelligence platform to identify peptides in our food, extract them and maybe see if they can be used as treatments for medical conditions. Mm. So, for example, you might be eating, let's just take, you know, cabbage. 
at random, okay? So what Neurotest does is they will analyze that down to the molecular level and go, oh, look, here's a little molecule here in cabbage that's actually pretty good at dealing with, you know, it might be good at dealing with, say, Parkinson's disease. Let's investigate that and maybe see if we can develop a, a treatment based on that. Mm. That's the kind of work they're doing at the moment. They've since gone on to secure millions in investment, um, some very high profile investors as well, including uh, uh, U2, um, and uh, doing fantastic work. Really big operation in Dublin at the moment, a truly Irish success story. Mm. And we got to talk to her literally on a couch at pretty much the ideation stage of the of the company. So that was that was a really nice, um, really nice win for us and great to see the progress uh, that Neurotas has, has made since then. Yeah. Uh, another absolutely remarkable person we talked to was Margaret Burgroff, uh, a Cork woman uh, who went to work in Apple and uh, went to work on the the iconic iMac, if you if you remember it. The big, uh, the big TV with the computer in the back, which everyone went nuts on uh, because it was completely different to everything else on the market. Um, she then went to work for Intel uh, and then moved on. And she now works for a company called Lucid Motors, uh, which is uh, an EV company, uh, electric cars. Um, wonderful person. If you can find the interview we did with her, I was part of the um, Intel uh, Internet of Things event a couple of years ago. Uh, really, really good conversation mm. that we had. Um, somebody you talked to uh, was Frank M. Ahern. You can remember his interview pretty well. I do, actually. I, I found him a, a completely fascinating guy, and I had many conversations with him afterwards, uh, read his book and stuff like that. Uh, Frank's thing was that um, he was the kind of person who would find people online. Mm. And he would track him down. But he had just such an amazing history uh, with himself about erasing his own identity so that he couldn't be tracked or working within companies and trying to find kind of moles within companies and stuff like that. He was a bit of an electronic uh, kind of a detective. And the book that he'd written at the time was How to Disappear. And it was all about like, you know, kind of how to get rid of your Facebook and your social media and uh, all that kind of stuff, like, you know. And it, it, it's quite, it's funny when you talk to some of these people because basically what he was saying was, if you want to disappear, you tell nobody. Nobody, all right? He says, you it's don't harsh. tell your best friend, you don't tell you whatever, all right? You just tell nobody, he says, okay? You have a bag with clothes in it that nobody's aware of, stuffed with cash, all right? Don't take cards, just cash, he says, and uh, a burner phone. All right, don't take a smartphone, just a burner phone that nobody knows that you have. All right. Mm. And he says, and then when you want to disappear, you just say, yeah, I'm just popping out of the spar, get some milk. And that's Boom. it. You're gone. Gone. Quite an amazing guy, like, you know, uh, and, and I really love those book. And if you're just interested in... Just today and the amount of stuff that we put up about ourselves on the internet, it's like, it's phenomenal. And and the ways that you can be tracked. Here, we, we got a new uh, um, Amazon speaker in, right? Mm. And we were talking about toothbrushes. I don't, I don't even know what, our toothpaste. Alexa mm. pops up and starts giving us the history of the toothbrush. I go, oh, here. <laughs> oh, here. 
I don't, I don't like that. But uh, yes, Frank mm. M. Ahern and House Disappears his book. He was a, he was a cracker. There's also a Jenny Ratliff. Do you remember her, People Hacker? Yeah, she was fantastic. I, I, I was just li- re-listening to that show a couple of days ago, mm. um, and her whole thing was literally from a very young age. She got a, a, a taste or developed a talent for sort of getting into places she shouldn't, which uh, evolved into getting into concerts without a ticket which evolved into getting absolutely any piece of information out of you as, as she possibly can. Um, lovely woman and a, a, a great conversation, actually, and very, very mischievous character. Yes, yes, yes. Like she, she sees an awful lot of fun in what she does. Uh, probably not great to be on the opposite end of some of her. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, you're very careful about what you say to her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, a, a very fun interview, I, I have to say. Mm. Uh, somebody else that we talked to, uh, Shannon Valor, mm-hmm. uh, who wrote a book called Ethics and Technology. Mm. Uh, she was over giving a talk in Trinity College. Uh, also, uh, related to Trinity College was Linda Doyle, who was the oh, yeah. head of There's the provost, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's recently been elected provost of Trinity College. Uh, at the time we were talking to her, and we talked to her a few times on the show, actually, she was head of the Connect Center for research into future networks. And we talked about, you know, the future of Wi-Fi and 5G and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, wonderful character to talk to as well. Uh, we also talked to Jacqueline Morey, who was somebody I hadn't heard about until we we did the show. She's um, one of these... Uh, true believers in virtual reality, shall we say. She, w- she was working on VR as far back as the 90s. Mm. Uh, and finally, sort of her work is coming to fruition with her current company, uh, All, All These Worlds, uh, I think it's called. Uh, well worth tracking down. Um, let's see who else is on our list. Oh, of course, how could we forget John Romero, the, oh, uh, the man behind Doom? Doom. I think I mean, possibly the most famous of all, do you think? Of all, I guess. Well, there's one one person more famous, which we'll get to in a moment. Someone yeah. more famous than John Romero. Yeah. You John Romero me. was he was a great he was a great conversationalist and and a very humble man and a, a great uh, account he gave of yeah. where um, where Doom came from. Mm. Um, there's also Azim Azar. Uh, who was the uh, writer of the Exponential View newsletter. I, mm. I recommend everyone sign up to it. Uh, he wrote a book called Exponential, uh, which appeared earlier this year and by all accounts has been very, value, very well uh, received. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very much on the on the bleeding edge of technology and his newsletter is short enough that you can digest it in a few minutes and then you can click through and, you know, uh, explore mm-hmm. whatever different articles you want at your leisure. Um, somebody else that I thought was really interesting, uh, Julie Martin, who was involved in experiments in art and technology, yeah. uh, who which uh, was an organization that brought together uh, artists with um, scientists and engineers from Bell Labs. And they kind of hit their peak or rather made mm. their real cultural stamp in 1966 with the event uh, Nine Evenings, which was held out in the 69th Regiment Armory in New York. So it was very much this massive wide open space where you had artists and engineers working on things uh, together. Some of them didn't actually work, but, you know, it was <laughs> that's very the much point. <laughs> the, that's the whole point. That's why they're experiments, you know, some sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Uh, so that was, um, the, she was absolutely fascinating to talk to as well uh, uh, only two more uh, one person I talked to him once and you talked to him once mm. uh, it was I, Dr. Niall Smith yeah I was about to I was about to mention space <laughs> 
There you go. Uh, Dr. Niall Smith are, are mm. well, Ireland's, I suppose, for, for preeminent, most the, eminent, the, yeah, eminent. The, 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 the preeminent, eminent, eminent. He, the, he, he's, he's the man. When it comes to the space, when it talks to coming, when it comes to talking about space and the space yep. economy and developments in yep. space exploration in Ireland, yep. he's the guy. And actually, do you know what? Ireland is a heck of a lot more involved in space and space exploration, exploration and space technology, way more than you would ever think. Way more way than more. you would ever mm. think, like, you know. And I think that's becoming even more and more important because when we started the podcast back in the mid noughties, there was no space race. Do you know what I mean? No, now, no commercial space race. There was no, I don't think there was any space race at all. Nobody was talking about going back to the moon. Nobody was talking about going to Mars. There was none of that. Mm. Now yeah. look. Mm. You know, yeah. Jeff, and uh, I, I know it's all commercial people, but the fact that we're talking about going to Mars, the fact that they're talking about going back to the moon, uh, uh, building new uh, uh, space stations and all that kind of stuff, I just, I just think it's brilliant. But I think the most famous, maybe not the most famous person, but mm. certainly the most famous brand um, mm. that we have had on the show is, uh, is Netflix. Netflix. And we got to talk to Reed Hastings and when now he was he, over in Dublin. He, he is the big dog. He is yeah. the man. He is Mr. Netflix. When you look at sort of what Netflix has done for our viewing habits, how it has turned us from weekly episodic viewers into binge viewers, yeah, uh, more so than the DVD market, I think. Uh, also, also leading to the phrase Netflix and chill as a cultural <laughs> phenomenon, just something you do. Yes. Uh, ain't, ain't no thing. Less um, Netflix, more chill. <laughs> yeah. And uh, very interesting to find out his perspective on the Irish market, because mm. you remember and I remember when we heard that Netflix is coming, we just assumed it would be the same Netflix as, as the US and you'd yeah. get lost for hours in the US catalogue when it was very easy to access before they, they sort of clamped down on VPNs and that kind of thing. Uh, but we got a very different Netflix to what they what they have in the States. And that was kind of a bit difficult for us to get our heads around. But he did actually foreshadow this in our conversation with him where he was talking about, you know, it's um, movies at the right price. He was very much sort of emphasizing that sort of value. And uh, I said, you know, is, is the catalogue that we're going to get over here the same as in America? Mm. And I said, well, actually, no. Uh, but that's so we can actually give you comparable prices mm. to what's in America. Um, so basically they were keeping their licensing costs down by offering us less. Uh, and this was, you know, Netflix hadn't talked about um, producing their own content yet. I mean, mm. Orange is the New Black hadn't been announced yet, uh, no. I don't think. No, um, no. It was all, they, they were literally at, going between that, uh, uh, renting DVDs, because that's what they did in the States. And then did. they kind of did the online version and then they were just kind of rolling that out in Ireland. So it was way yeah. before they were doing anything exclusive to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and of course, if you look at Netflix now, it's almost turning into 50-50 their own content and 50% licensed content. And to me, I think that's to the detriment of the service, because an awful lot of what you're seeing is clearly shows commissioned by data. It's clearly stuff that, okay, people liked this, 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 hire somebody, put it all together, or has somebody pitched us something that has all of these elements yeah. and let's put it together because I was watching um, a show called Inside Job uh, over the last few weeks and it's quite entertaining but you look at it and you're like okay sort of the family drama it's basically Rick and Morty meets conspiracy theories 
pretty much. Yeah. Um, and the influences on it are like, it's almost like, okay, what are people watching in the documentary section? And let's put that in with Rick and Morty. It's uh, to me, it was fairly transparent. Um, but there you go. But they've also had sort of their cultural phenomenon, things like Tiger King. Uh, and of course, Orange did extremely well for them. Stranger Things did extremely well mm. for them. Uh, so, you know, they have struck gold. But um, I do find their approach to content to be very mechanical and kind of soulless that, you know, when they when they do come out with sort of a game changer, uh, it's it's almost that feels almost by accident at this stage. But anyway, that's my ranting on Netflix. What do there you think? There we go. Um, uh, I think that is a very impressive list of people that we have spoken to uh, mm. over the years. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of them we spoke to before they kind of became big or the area that they were involved in kind of came to the fore, so to speak. And it's kind of nice because like, we do talk to some really weird people. <laughs> <laughs> in all fairness like because you never know what you're going to get from from one week to another um, but I always find it quite interesting and, and a, a little nugget or two there that kind of uh, gets my attention um, but when you look back then over the years you kind of go wow we talked to Anna, Anna oh my god and he did this you know yeah. it's amazing it's kind of, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm proud of what we do I'm pr- well I'm proud yeah. anyway but when you kind of look at it in, in one go it's like Burr. listen uh, well, to, you know we talked to a couple of hundred people over the last few years exactly exactly listen let's have a quick run through mm. the last 15 years of technology in about okay. five minutes if we can um, and just look at the changing times over the last 15 16 years because when we started uh, Twitter wasn't a thing YouTube yeah, YouTube actually wasn't a thing when, uh, when we started. Uh, I think Amazon and Google were just kind of starting to come to the fore. Well, so starting to monopolize or corner their respective markets. They were, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They, they were weren't they, big enough already. They weren't anything like what they are today. And yeah. here's one. This will make you smile. When we started in 2005, the new Bebo was a thing called Facebook. Yeah, well, Facebook was still invite only at the time. I think it might have been. I think it might have been. But but Bebo and MySpace were the two big kind of social networks at the time. Um, I remember Bebo sold for 300 million and everyone was like, wow, that's incredible. Nothing will ever be so big as the Bebo sale. And sure, you know. I think the thing that changed the world. Mm hmm. And I know that the man behind it will be very happy to hear that. I think the thing that changed the world was in 2007, and that was the iPhone. Yeah. Just one more thing. What's he going to bring out now? Okay. Yeah. And like when you look about it, it was, it was the iPod player because they had the touchscreen iPod player and they essentially just made a phone out of it. But it yeah. changed everything. It put the internet in the palm of people's hands so they could move around and I, I, if, if there was one point, that's it. Yeah, but not for the first time. I mean, when Microsoft had been doing, you know, phones on Windows for years, BlackBerry had been doing email on phones for years. It was mm. just the way they did it. And if you look back at that presentation, they're like, it's an email device, it's mm-hmm. a web device and it's a music player. You know, it's, it was- it's a... It, it's those three things. Sorry, it's it's a phone, an email, and a, an internet yeah. communication. And, and that was 2007. Now, 2007 is still only 14 years ago. 
Yeah. And look yeah. how much the world has changed. Like The it's, culture it's, has just changed completely thanks and, to uh, mobile internet. Yeah. yeah. And we've been through 3G. We've been through 4G. We're at 5G now. God knows what's next. Oh, maybe 6G. Um, what else happened at the same time as the iPhone? Dropbox. Yeah. <laughs> It can't compete. <laughs> it just can't compete. But what I do yeah. remember uh, at the time is we were talking to uh, quite a number of Irish businesses, actually, and they were all talking about the cloud. Everything's going to be in the yeah. cloud, man. Everything's going to mm. be up there. You mark my words. It's like, ah, oh, no, come on. Why You'll would be people... able to get everything through yeah. a browser. Yeah. Why would Forget people... About clients. Why would people want to keep their data somewhere else <laughs> yeah. and not on their computer in their home? Yeah. How wrong was I? Uh, then 2008, uh, the MacBook Air launched. And yeah. I think it was the following year or the year after. I can't remember. They brought out the MacBook Air. And then I think two years later, they brought out the tapered version. So it kind of, it wasn't just like, you know, kind of rectangular shaped. It was like a wedge, which mm. made it look extremely thin at the at the end, closest to you when the uh, clamshell was closed. Um, I remember talking to, I can't remember his name now. It's gone. But uh, one of the guests that we had on the show and he had been to the Apple Developers Conference and, you know, kind of the, the MacBook Airs were becoming very popular. And I was asking him about it and he was like very offhand. He went, oh, everybody has them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally, oh, almost like I wouldn't be seen dead with them. They're, they're, they're so common. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's when I went out and bought them. So the following year, uh, on Changing Times, uh, 2009 was the year that we got Windows 7. Very important operating system, given that everybody loved XP. Yes. Everybody hated Vista. Oh. uh, And this felt very much like the makeup. Mm. And it's great. And everybody was super happy with it. And yeah, there are a few things that are different in it. But I mean, that's that's fine. Yeah. It all made sense. It didn't annoy you with stuff. No. Um, and, you know, it's it's a, an operating system that in, in the sense that Vista, Microsoft couldn't shake, uh, couldn't shake uh, XP. People just held on to it and didn't move to Vista. Um, people held on to Windows 7 instead of moving to Windows 8 because there was no need to. And um, X, XP was so good that even when they were changing to Windows 10, XP was still a problem. Yes, it, it was. It certainly was, especially on, on like servers and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, sort of devices that had been running on for a long time. Um, if, if the security updates were still coming, there was there was no need to, to upgrade. Mm. Uh, do you know what else launched in 2009? And you kick yourself for not knowing this. Go on. Bitcoin. Yeah, the world's safest investment. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But can you imagine buying it then? It was, yeah. what, one cent a Bitcoin or something or a euro of Bitcoin? I can't remember. Or it was just so simple to mine Bitcoin. Yeah. If you had a, a PC with a reasonable graphics card, you could you could net yourself a Bitcoin or chug, two. Chug, 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 no bother at all. But look, it, you know what, if, if we could see the future. I still think about Back to the Future too, where I could go to the future, grab the sports almanac and then go back in time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I know everything that was going to happen over the next 20 years, you know. Man, I'll tell you, if you knew that Bitcoin, how rich would you be? Uh, mm. Moving anyway on through the years. 2011, we had uh, Uber, uh, which launched in San Francisco. Look at it now. 2012, we had Zoom. Um, and it's like, it's eight years. Eight years it took Zoom. And, yeah. th- and this is what the, uh, I think was so important about COVID and, and why it's such an important juncture in human history, because COVID is not just a virus that came along and changed. And we all had to you know wear face masks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It utterly changed 
technology brought things to the fore. It changed the way that we think about things. It's changed the way that we do business and it's changed mm. the way that we live. No pandemic before us has done mm. that, I don't believe. Yeah. However, and actually, in my own list, mm. I actually have zoomed down as the greatest development of 2020 slash 21. Yeah. Because that's when it started, I mean, granted, founded in 2012, but occupying the zeitgeist from the pandemic era yeah. onwards. Because I remember sort of friends of mine was trying to sell um, people in his company on video conferencing, you know, at a corporate level, just explaining these are the benefits of video conferencing yeah. uh, and being not laughed out of the building, but just, you know, very sceptical people around him, you know, and now it's, it's, it's the norm. What would we need that for? And that's, a, that, that's what I'm saying about COVID in that it was so interesting mm. in that so many of these things, Microsoft Teams was there and we had so many different things up and running. Mm. And, yep. uh, and and they've all come to the fore uh, recently. Uh, Spotify, Spotify was doing well. That was 2012. Uh, Netflix was 2012 as well, as we said, 2014. Uh, WhatsApp had been around, all right, uh, but it was growing yep. and growing and growing and then bought by Facebook. Uh, a massive acquisition. Massive uh, acquisition and worth every, well, I'm trying to think, is it worth every penny? Because how do they monetize it? I don't see ads on my on my WhatsApp. Well, I tell you, they, they might not have the opportunity to monetize it if certain parties have their way. And Meta, formerly Facebook, mm -hmm. Meta is, uh, is split up for its own good. Yeah. Or rather for our own good. Because, yeah, OK, we mightn't be seeing ads, but do you know what? That data is flowing, floating around. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, also in 2014, this surprised me. This really surprised me. OK, so we were talking about Windows 7 back in 2009. This surprised mm. me. Windows 10 was launched Only five in years. 2014. 2014. Only five years between Windows 7 and Windows 10. Does yeah, that I'm, mean Windows 8 was that bad? <laughs> Windows 8 was that bad. Windows mm. 8 was terrible. Windows 8 was, yay, Windows 7 is amazing. Now let's make it work on a touchscreen. Uh, no. <laughs> No. <laughs> no, 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 thanks. and it's it's still only 2020, 2021 with mm. Windows 11 that they seem to have gotten to grips with that problem. Yeah. Of getting an operating system that feels appropriate on either a tablet or a desktop. And it's kind of like, I'm just thinking like, you know, Windows seem to be kind of upgrading their, their major operating systems quicker than Mac do. Because Mac OS X was around for, oh, what, a decade at least? Well, various various versions of and it, yeah. And it's kind of gone, it's gone into Mac OS 11 now, but I think they still call it uh, OS X. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they just changed that, changed that. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever name on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, I hate that. I hate the way they do that. Just stick with the numbers. So much easier. I can't remember if, if, if High Mountain and, and Zebra Line is, is I, I, higher than something else. You know what I mean? I think at least we're with on numbers. To Monterey at the moment. Oh, I think that's whatever. the correct one. Whatever it is. But anyway, Windows, Windows 10 came at us in, uh, in 2014. And then I'm going to wrap up with 2015 um, because that's when the smart speakers started arriving. Yeah. And the smart home, uh, of which I am not a great believer at all. Even... Uh, what is it, seven years later? It's 2022 now. Ooh. Um, do you remember back in the day? Here's another thing that's changed in the last 10 years. Do you okay. remember the start of every year, right? You would go through a few weeks where you put the wrong year on your checks. <laughs> you don't do that anymore. No. 
Anyways, no, you do so, not have the option to do so. Grant, so seven years ago, 2015, uh, the smart speakers arrived. I don't believe that they have made a huge difference or a, as big a difference in our lives. Maybe they need the next pandemic <laughs> to bring them to mm. the fore. But I don't think these all these smart things. Oh. Well, basically, I tell you, you switches everywhere it. in the house. All right. And basically yeah. it's on off. Do you know what I mean? How binary you can get? It's one or zero. It's on or it's off. And that's it. All right. Mm. And you can tell the lamp to turn on or off. Or you can tell a group of lamps to turn on or off. Or you can say, turn on, uh, turn on my bed. This is, I don't use this. So I would love to be able to say, all right, bloody, uh, bloody, blah, speaker, turn on my bed. So when I get into bed, the electric blanket is on. It's all nice and toasty. And of course, what do I do? Do I want to really lie there in the dark and go, smart speaker, turn off the electric blanket? When my significant over there is sitting beside me and going, shut up. <laughs> I was asleep. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So then if you learn over and you just turn the switch on the electric blanket, then of course, you're not turning the switch on the smart plug, are you? Mm. <laughs> oh, so no, I don't. I don't. I don't think smart plugs are that smart. And then also even just talking to them and asking them to do simple things. Um, uh, what did I have? Uh, with, yeah problem the other day all right so we would often say smart speaker uh, listen to today fm or play the rt news works perfectly right um mm. but then yesterday it was like play news talk couldn't do it mm. it couldn't do it and then i said play the best of you two all right couldn't do it because i kept thinking that it, i wanted something to do with two you <laughs> mm, gotcha, so i literally just gotcha. had to go you too <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and it understood. So smart speakers, I think, are interesting. Uh, maybe the day has yet to come, but uh, it, it, they've been around seven years now. Um, and then, of course, I think since 2015, with all that remote working and Uber and Upwork and all that kind of well, stuff. Well, the really. gig economy in mm. particular, um, a good, well, I'd know, maybe a good, inverted commas, gig, mm. if you're young and fit and don't mind cycling all about the place and yep. potentially getting abused by uh, street urchins. Um, but there you go. Being master of one's own domain mm. certainly appeals to um, to some people. Um, yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're showing the balance between yourself now and myself because uh, I'm 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 a smite older, so my memory is a little longer. Mm-hmm. But because you're the child in the relationship here, you've got all you've got <laughs> all the most recent stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do. Well, some of it, some of it is quite recent, actually. In, in terms of, you know, cultural impact. Uh, but what's hap- yeah, what's yeah. happened in the okay. last five years? Then? What's happened in the last five years? Right. 2016, right? It feels like a, a generation ago. It's not. 2016, the Twitter election in the US. Your fake news. <gasps> oh. Trump's election and how it played out on social media. Very interesting. I think the more interesting one was four years before, eight years before. Yes, we can. Uh, yes, we can. Yeah. So, good, and that was 2008. Slogans. No, but what I mean about it, it was a good slogan and all that kind of stuff. But he won that election on social media and on the Internet. Yeah. And it was very notable for that. Well, I tell you, Trump won an election through social media, but he yeah. also lost one as well. Uh, especially after his ban, uh, social media was particularly good at helping the uh, get out the vote effort. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's also been responsible for some of the vitriol and polarization of uh, American politics. But when you've only got two political parties, I mean, that's 
kind of inevitable. We don't have the same sort of uh, fractiousness over here. Yeah, yeah. Look at Germany. (laughs) Yeah. So that's, uh, for me, that's 2016. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of the uh, when social media really went super toxic and and hasn't recovered since 2017 the oculus go and what was Ah. interesting about the oculus go is that it was the first real vr headset that didn't require tethering to a pc Mm. so you had standalone vr uh, that you didn't need a phone for you know, it was actually a self-contained computer. Uh, and yes, it was slight, it was lower spec and you didn't have the same, um, uh, well, of course you weren't tethered, but it, it also wasn't as highly specced mm. as the, the other previous versions of the Oculus, which were relying on massive compute power behind them. But it showed that it could be done. Standalone VR could be done and done well. So that was 2017, that was the Oculus Go. And, and done, done well and cheaper than a thousand euro which, you know, also very important. Yeah. 2018, I got four letters for you. GDPR. Oh, love it, hate it. Okay. Uh, Love it because thank you, Europe, for uh, making sure limits are being placed on personal information. Exactly. And And give me a route to uh, pursue should um, people be misusing my data or misusing data in general. And for keeping the likes of Facebook and Google and uh, Amazon and all those data hungry, uh, keeping them in check to a certain extent. Yes, to a certain extent. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the some of the fines... um, Substantial to the rest of us, peanuts to to those companies, but I think the the breach has to be marked. Um, I think so. I I, I think the financial penalty is one thing, but the fact that it has gone down in the rules and has been adjudicated in some kind of a court or whatever, that actually Mm -hmm. is probably more powerful in the long run. Um, The thing with GDPR is that it's uh, every, every single web page I visit do you accept cookies? Oh, that just breaks my heart. It really does. That that is a backward step. Do you do you not get that when you're surfing around the web or you're looking on your phone or on your computer or whatever? Every website you go to, click here to accept cookies. Or do you want to choose which cookies you want to accept? Do you want to accept all of them or do you want to go through the parameters and choose which ones you want to accept? Yeah, yeah. Oh. But, uh, you know, every time I see it, I'm, I'm not even that annoyed because I know the option of not having it. You know, I, I can deal with that, you know, slight inconvenience. Mm. Uh, knowing that my data is being uh, taken seriously and protected and has some sort of legal structure to make sure it's not misused. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. Overall, yeah, GDPR is, is definitely a good thing. Good four letters, well called. Good four letters, well called. Well, in two th- okay, 2020-21, we've already talked about uh, Zoom and teleconferencing and how that has brought us all closer together and how it has really helped us navigate the um, pandemic. So I'll park that and I'll go back a year and I'm going to have three letters that will make you very passionate and very uh, angry. I can Uh see you laughing already. Uh, Okay. 2019 RT announced the end of its involvement in DAB. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, some some pal you are. 
Yeah, thanks for bringing <laughs> that up, Niall. Appreciate it. All right. For those, for those who don't know, DAB was my passion. It was the digitalization of broadcast radio. It had, very simply, uh, the ability to bring 50 new radio stations to everybody in the country. So if you liked jazz or country or rock or classic rock or whatever, it would be, and they would all be Irish radio stations with Irish presenters, Irish information would all be relevant to us, unlike a lot of what we hear on the on the internet. And unfortunately, the independent radio uh, industry in Ireland went, well, hang on a minute, we don't want any competition. And Dennis O'Brien went, well, I'm the only one who owns national commercial radio license. I definitely am not going to support this. Uh, so RT were kind of flying the flag on their own. Uh, there was ourselves as a, t- a small technology company uh, and the BAI were just kind of sitting on the fence uh, kind of going, well, when everybody agrees, then we'll move on it. And it was just, it was like banging your head against the wall. And then RT, when they had their financial problems, quite rightly, I have to say, they went, well, we've been pushing this. Nobody else has engaged. What's the point? We need to save every penny we can. Uh, and then they decided to pull the plug on DAB and thereby breaking my heart. Yeah, especially given, you know, the proliferation of DAB radios. Uh, I think it's every car has to have a DAB radio. Is that, is across, that a European directive? Across the EU, every single car sold in the EU now must have a, a digital radio included in it, DAB radio. And in the UK, next door, right beside us, okay, mm. uh, I think it's 65% of all radio listening now is done uh, using a digital radio. Which yeah. means that FM, which we all love here in backward old 2020 Ireland, um in the UK, it's it's less than a third of people listen to FM radio. Hmm. Yeah, because they're on DAB. Yes. Mm. Anyway, you, you, you poked the bear there, Mr. Kitson. I poked <laughs> the bear, but I think, you know, it's it's such an important um, well, thing to mark. Do you know what? I, I, I think you bring up a very interesting thing because when I was looking into the show, there were not only the successes and the great people that we've spoken to over the years and, and where we were in 2005 and where we are now. There were also, like, we were going through the changing times and all the successes and the Twitters and the YouTubes and the Netflixes and all that kind of Windows 10 and whatever. There were a lot mm. of fails as well. And I think, uh, I think DAB, unfortunately, yeah, one of them. It might go down the road of uh, VHS, VHS and Betamax, wasn't it? Which, yeah. is, which is irrelevant now because they're both dead. They're both dead. Um, yeah. Mini disc was another one uh, which came and was popular for quite a time, and now is gone. So I suppose In maybe the States, they, they were big on laser discs. Yeah, 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 yeah. True, true, true. But a, a couple of things that uh, I had noted that had failed over the last whatever 10, 15 years ago. Windows eight we've mentioned. If I say to you, Apple, um, what would you say is their biggest fail in the last 10, 15 years? Ooh. Good question. They, they've had a few. They, they, they do have a habit of, of trying things out and they're not working so much. Like the iPod Hi-Fi mm-hmm. would be one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would regard their current smart speaker as being not great, mm-hmm. um, primarily because we don't have it here. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd, I'd consider that a little bit of um, uh, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Their uh, attempt at wireless charging never got off, never no the market yeah so that was that was a big loss the first generation apple tv 
I think was a bit pointless. It was yeah. basically just a big hard drive. But they've improved it. They've improved on. it. They've improved it. So, oh yeah, it's great. It's a great device yeah. now. I'm, yeah. I'm delighted with my Apple TV now. But uh, let me, let me focus your thinking then for Apple fails of two particular in mind, and they're both on the same device, uh, the MacBook Pro. Okay, well then we're we're gonna go with the keyboard. Yeah, bloody butterfly keyboard. Yeah. Designed uh, the 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 theory behind it was that the key travel was shallower to help you type faster. I believe was the was the plan with <laughs> that, it. I think that might have been a, a spiel. Now <laughs> <laughs> the keys well, the I, keys are two millimeters closer to <laughs> the sensor, so you'll be able to type quicker. I don't think so. I think they just wanted to bring the overall size of the laptop down. And because yeah. of that, uh, they reduced the travel distance on the keys uh, down to, what, what was it, one millimetre or something ridiculous. But you just couldn't type. You couldn't type. Yeah. What's the point and of the keyboard if you can't type? Oh, God. And then the other thing uh, was the touch bar. I, I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, another thing that they've just stepped away from very yeah. quietly. Now, here's where Apple and Google are, don't go without blame on this particular thing. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but Apple, when they do something, if you don't like it, you, you're screwed. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? No, no, seriously, because it's like with the with the keyboard. OK, you can't buy a laptop without the butterfly keyboard. You couldn't for many years, okay? And it's mm-hmm. the same with that touchpad thing. Do you know what I mean? You just have to put mm. up with it. Or when they change, oh, I hate Apple when they start going with adapters. And oh, <sighs> yeah, you can go with the MagSafe, which is fantastic. They're the only ones doing the MagSafe. There's no international standard for it, like, you know? Mm. Um, so those things do drive me uh, nuts. But I will give them credit for trying out things and they do come up with some absolutely brilliant ideas but this whole Apple way or the highway uh, with all of their ideas makes it a little bit difficult whereas Google I think are different Google will try lots of different things but Mm. you're not bent over a barrel if they make a mistake yeah, and they they are. I don't want to say happy, but they do step away from things and yeah. go. Okay, that's yeah. that's it. We're done. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it's uh, things that are actually kind of useful, like feed burner. Um, they they they're shutting that down uh, yeah. at the moment. Uh, but there have been some quite notable failures as well, like uh, Google Plus, uh, Google Glass, of course, which was meant to be the the great hope for augmented reality um, failed in the consumer space for obvious mm. reasons because people didn't like to feel they were being filmed or watched. Uh, but it's, it's finding sort of its feet in the enterprise space alongside Microsoft's HoloLens. Mm. So I think that's probably where it's going to do very well. Um, but you might also remember Google Wave, which is meant to be the future of email. The idea um, kind of vanished, but it, mm. it seems to have it seems to bear more than a passing resemblance to Slack, which is super popular now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was that was another Google failure. So yeah, they, they failed, but they're not they're not afraid to shut things down, even though it does annoy people. I think Google Reader was a was a big fist shaker for a lot of people. People were very happy with Google Reader. And then when that was when that was shuttered, people were, were quite, quite cross over it. Uh, true, but uh, Google Google do try lots of things, and it's great in technology when you do have so many different companies and they're all trying so many different things to kind of you know make life pe- people's lives better as well as make them feel good. Um, I, I I think it's good. That's that's why I like tech. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of and I, I like tech because it's I find it quite accessible. 
especially mm. with computing and the internet and stuff like that, like, you know. Oh, um, on, on the subject of accessibility then, mm. can we push under the list of notable fails oh. broadband in Ireland? Now, you really have a, a, a thing about this. And I agree with you and I don't agree with you because I think uh, broadband in Ireland is pretty good in the cities, all right? And 60% of the population lives in the cities, so the majority of people are well looked after. And then with the remaining 40%, I think a lot of them are actually pretty well looked after because they're in the main towns. However, there are a lot of people who don't live in a big town or live in a small town or live down a country lane and their broadband is abysmal. There is that, yeah. And I know people that have had to resort to satellite broadband, yep. uh, which isn't a great service in itself and is very expensive uh, in comparison to, um, you know, fibre, uh, yep. preferably fibre to the to the home is, is what we want. Uh, most people on a uh, broadband connection are on fibre to the cabinet, mm. uh, which basically means that your fibre goes to a, a junction box and then the last kilometre or whatever is actually copper yep. that goes into your into your home. So uh, what we have, most people in the cities have is fibre to the cabinet. Um, although we are increasingly getting fibre to the home and you notice the difference in the speeds that are being allotted. If you're getting a, a connection that is meant to be up to uh, one gig, one gigabit per second, the chances are that's a fibre to, fibre to the home. If you're getting up to, let's say, 100 megs, uh, you're second. on copper, yeah. <laughs> you're on copper and that's, <laughs> that's fibre to the cabinet. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's a simple rule of thumb. Mm. But what we're finding is that there was, there is the National Broadband Plan, which has been formulated for, what, 10 years oh, now? Please don't. You're giving me and a headache posts, even just saying the name of it. <laughs> the goalposts have changed so much since yep. that plan was initiated that uh, just what, what was being promoted at the time is now no longer uh, cutting edge. I mean, it's bare service, really. Yeah. I mean, when I started uh, writing on technology in 2005, um, the first national broadband plan, uh, the tender was one by three. And what you got was these little USB dongles with a, with a SIM card in it. And that was meant to solve all your broadband problems. And if you're doing well, it gave you three megs. Yeah. And that was it. You now have broadband, you know. Um, of course, then there was a, a scheme to bring, I think it was 40 megs into schools, up to 100 megs. And of course, the technology has evolved that we've gone from, you know, uh, fibre to the cabinet to where we're getting fibre to the curb, but also fibre brought in alongside your electrical cable in the case of CSIRO, uh, which is the um, partnership between Vodafone and the ESB. Mm. Uh, which is probably the best out there, but it's also a, they're a wholesaler. So you can't get Syro Broadband. You can get Syro Broadband via Retailer X. Yes. Uh, which is um, important to note uh, when you're when you're shopping around. But all the, while this sort of, the tender for the current National Broadband Plan was out and no decision was being made, yeah. you had, all the telcos were in there and they just started dropping away going, look, you're, requirements here are ridiculous. There's no commercial uh, return for the areas you're looking to service. It's going to be very uh, expensive to do what you want. So people just slowly dropped out. And then Air went, uh, or I think it was still Aircom at the time, but anyway, we'll say Air had a look and they went, okay, you've got X hundred thousand people that are meant to be serviced 
under the national broadband plan. You haven't awarded a tender yet, but we can see that there is, we'll say a couple, we'll say thirty thousand in there that actually could develop, could could have a commercial return for us. Let's target those people and take them away <laughs> from you know the coverage, the overall- meaning that only the people left to service are really not profitable. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're left with the, exactly dredges, the dredges of society. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, dredges of property. <laughs> the dredges um, of property. Badly yes. located property. Well, Badly that's of course, located. Why think, aren't you living in cities? Well, there you go. Well, you see, there's the other side of the flip side of the coin is there are some people mm. who want to live completely off grid. Yeah, yeah. And, and still we're marching into them going, no, you must have fibre. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, uh, we're almost out of time because we're doing a, a double extended show just to kick off the uh, the new year. Um, we're at show number 900 now. If we do another yeah. two years, we'll be at show 1000. Yeah. So we'll be sitting here in January 2025, essentially. Yeah. 2024. January 24. Am I right? Yes, another January 2024. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. exactly. All right. Um, what do you think? Can you think of one thing that will have changed? I think we will be recording in a virtual space. I think you will have a helmet on over there. I will have a helmet on over here and we will be shaking hands. Right. Okay. That fills me with joy. (laughs) (laughs) The the metaverse will actually happen. Um, There there will be an open source version of the metaverse that we will be using. uh, Yeah, I don't know if that'll happen. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think we will probably have like, you know, 7G or 6G or whatever, and we'll have phenomenal speeds, but we won't know what to do with it. Yeah, well, as is the case with 5G, I mean, it's not really a consumer network. It's there to help things talk to other things. Yeah, I think we'll definitely be looking at... um, on the space side of things, somebody will either have landed on the moon or ab- about to land on the moon. Uh, and I think the uh, uh, plans to go to Mars, to put a man on Mars, will have greatly advanced. There's the one thing I would like to see before I pass away is a man standing on the planet Mars. I've no idea why. What's he going to do? <laughs> like, what do you do? This no, yeah, it's a bit quiet around here. <laughs> uh, it needs, needs a bit of a dusting. <laughs> but just the fact, I think it's because I missed out on the whole moon landing. And I always kind of wanted, mm. oh man, can you imagine if you're around for that? Like, you know, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe that's why. But uh, yeah, maybe in two years time, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're looking to outer space. I'm looking to inner space. Maybe there, maybe there will be a decent Matrix sequel. <gasps> oh, listen, don't. All right. We've, we've managed to go the entire hour without mentioning the ending of Game of Thrones. Don't be, bring it. <laughs> don't bring there'll the be a, another 40 Marvel movies. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Listen, let's wrap it up for there. Say uh, thank you very much for the last 15, 16 years for joining us on Tech Radio. We are looking forward to bringing you uh, the latest in tech in Ireland and around the world uh, over the coming years still to come. And of course, we have our hourly updates for you and daily newsletters which we've got for our website, uh, techcentral.ie. And we continue uh, to work with RTE Radio. You can hear us there on Fridays with RTE Radio 1 Extra. So welcome 2022. Um, have a great weekend uh, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. 
Tech Radio is produced by DigitalAudioProductions.com. Tech Radio.